G'day, my name's Matt. If I haven't met you before, it's great to be with you this Sunday morning. How good is St. Stephen's Anglican Church in Willoughby? Amen. Amen. Good. Nice to get some response. Um, this is the first time I've preached here, so I'd appreciate some warmth. <laughs> I'd also, also, uh, I'm also hoping it's not my last, but uh, we'll see about that. A question for you this morning. Have you ever lacked confidence for something? All right, some response. That's great. I wasn't expecting that. Has there ever been something in your life that you haven't quite felt adequate for? Mm. I can tell you, at least in part, perhaps for the most part, that's been my experience for the last couple of weeks. Um, I was starting a new job, as you know, with a new team, uh, a new senior minister. Um, And although it's the kind of thing I've always wanted to do, the kind of thing that I have trained for six years of theological study for, uh, the kind of thing that I've worked at another church for five years for, I can tell you I was paralyzed with fear. Now, I should be more careful with my words, perhaps. Uh, it wasn't, I wasn't afraid of the things that I did know. I'd met with Graham. He's fine. Uh, I'd met with the staff team. They're great. Naomi and I had slipped in incognito to a 5.30 p.m. service, and it was good as well. Actually, I need to um, apologize to those people, I'll meet them tonight, that uh, I pretended not to, you know, I was just dropping in or something. (laughs) Um, It wasn't about the things I did know that made me anxious, it was those things that were unknown. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um, The kind of things like, would the church like us? Would I make friends? Would I fit in? Uh, Would Naomi be okay? Would the job be okay? Was I up for the task? I lacked confidence. And I'm not just reaching out for uh, sympathy this morning. I promise you this has something to do with my sermon and with the text that was read out to us. I lacked confidence. Have you ever felt like that? Uh, Have you ever felt like that when it comes to God, when it comes to approaching God, when it comes to drawing near to Him? Again, maybe you don't hear pastors talk like this very often, but I can tell you that's been my experience. In fact, that's, my, that's been my experience recently. When Naomi and I were on holidays in Perth over Christmas, I felt not only anxious about starting a new job, I felt anxious about approaching God about it. Um, it was, you know, a difficult time. But I determined on holidays that even in my spiritual anxiety, um, I needed at least to be picking up my Bible every day and reading it. And God led me to the book of Hebrews. And in it, I found something to stand on, a rock for my feet. I found something to take confidence in. Uh, And I want to share that with you today. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know much about the book of Hebrews, I'll be honest. Uh, The last two weeks have been pretty busy (laughs) doing my homework. Uh, But let me share with you about the book of Hebrews who it was written to, and why. Uh, Most scholars think the book of Hebrews uh, is a sermon, not a letter, like most of the other books of the Bible, but a sermon, a word of encouragement, written to a church, not too dissimilar to this, a small church in a local town in the first century, who were lacking confidence on all fronts. They had lost their faith in God. They'd lost their hope in the future. And they'd lost their love for one another. They were giving up on God. They were giving up on the future. 
and they were giving up on one another. As a group of people, they were shrinking back from who God had made them and called them to be. We're told in Hebrews 10 about what they were like when they first came to faith. In Hebrews 10.32, it says they'd endured great suffering and they were publicly exposed to insult and they'd accepted it all joyfully. All this and more. But now their faith was flagging, their hope was heavy, and their love for one another was little, if at all. Now, I'm not suggesting that's uh, a reflection of us. <laughs> I haven't been with uh, St. Stephen's long enough to know. Uh, in fact, what I have seen of this church is that you are full of confidence in God, full of confidence for faith, hope, and love. It's been incredible, and actually it's uh, also been a small distraction, but it's been incredible to see the amount of people coming into the office week after week who are so invested in the life of this church. I've been to lots of churches in my life, and it's very rare to see so many of you who are not paid or you know, don't, maybe you feel like you don't have much to give, but you turn up to so many different things, and you put your hand up to do so many different things. Um, but there might be some of us here today in this room who are thinking about 2017 and you're wondering whether you're up for it. Or maybe you're still trying to put the pieces of 2016 together. Uh, perhaps there have been hopes and prayers that have seemingly gone unanswered and you're wondering, is God still there? Perhaps there's been unexpected adversity and you're wondering, you know, I'm weary, I've lost heart, can I go on? Perhaps there's been hostility towards your faith and you're shrinking back. Well, I want you to know you're in the company of friends in the book of Hebrews. Uh, but you're also in the company of a preacher. Somebody who wants to help you out. And the author of this sermon, the preacher of this sermon to Hebrews, is going to call them, and you'll see it, back to faith, back to hope, and back to love for one another. But the interesting thing for me, as I was reading this passage, the interesting thing for me is that he doesn't call them to look for that confidence within themselves. He calls them to find that confidence in God, in Christ. He says your confidence, your ability to have faith in God, to go to God when you need Him, comes from Jesus. Your ability to have faith uh, sorry, have hope about the future is in Jesus. Your confidence to love others beyond what you feel possible to do comes from Jesus. Here's a way I'd like to pitch it to you today. I think it's the big question uh, that this preacher puts to his church, and it's a question at the heart of our Christian faith. When it comes to your faith, your hope and love, when it comes to life and to God, do you mainly think about what you are like? Or do you mainly think about what God is like? Do you mainly think about what you are like as a person? Or do you mainly think about what God is like? There are three encouragements, like I mentioned in the text, that have to do with faith, hope, and love that are impossible if we look for confidence within. But incredible opportunities and possibilities if we look to God. The first is in verse 22, it says, draw near to God. The second is in verse 23, it says, hold fast to the hope that you have for the future. And the third one is in verse 24, it says, consider one another or love one another. I want to walk through those with you this morning. 
Number one, verse 22. The first encouragement is let us draw near to God. Now, I don't know whether you've ever considered that a possibility. Perhaps you've been at church so long that you're inoculated to the idea. But that is the possibility of Christianity. That is what is laid out for us in the Christian message. Closeness with God. Intimacy with God. But how are you going with that? I know, again, my own experience is that every time I think about directing my heart to God, maybe it's in prayer, maybe it's reading my Bible, uh, immediately I hesitate because I, I think to myself, I'm not good enough. He won't accept me. In the words of the old prayer book, um, I've left undone things I ought to have done and I've done things I ought not to have done. I'm not up to God's standard. He must be disappointed in me. And that's at 10 past 6 in the morning. Listen to the sermon to the Hebrew church. It addresses my thoughts and maybe your thoughts exactly. Verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What's he talking about? How is my guilty conscience that holds me back from approaching God cleansed? How are the the actions that I've done with my body in the past that stopped me from approaching God, how are those things washed clean? Well, come quickly with me to verse 19 at the very top of our passage. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. The author is saying the only way that we have confidence to draw near to God is by Jesus. And he's saying there's something that Jesus has done in the past and something Jesus is up to in the present that enables us to go to God with confidence. There's something Jesus has done in the past. In the past, Let's have a look at that for a moment. In the past, we're told that Jesus has given his blood. And in verse 20, it explains that. By a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. What's it talking about? Perhaps you're familiar with the story. In the past, God dwelt with his people on earth in a temple. But in that temple, God was separated from his people by a curtain. But we're told that when Jesus died, when his blood was spilt on the cross, that curtain in that temple, I'm talking about a real curtain in a real temple, was torn from top to bottom. God had made a way for his imperfect people to come into his perfect presence once and for all by the blood of Jesus. That's what Jesus has done in the past. I remember for me as a kid, I was so unsure about how my relationship with God worked. And this is one of the blessings actually of the Anglican church in my life. Um, I grew up thinking that my relationship with God was based on how I felt about it. So it depended on how I was feeling that day with God. 
Had I lived up to his standards? Had I prayed enough? Um, Had I seen behavior change in my life? And so you can imagine when I approached God, it it was very difficult because I didn't know... Am I cool with him? Is, is this okay? But when I realized that in space-time history, Jesus had come into my world, taken upon my sin, and dealt with it on the cross and spilt his blood in the past, and that's separate to me, whether I was born or not, that happened. I have a rock-solid confidence to enter God's presence And as Christians, it's not just a, I mean, it will be one day and some days a warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside of confidence, but it's not just a nice story. This is, Jesus has given us permission. He's given us VIP access all areas into God. Let me ask you that question that we began with. When you think about approaching God, do you mainly think about what you're like? What do you think about what God is like? Do you think about what Jesus has done in the past? If that's not enough, the author goes on. In verse 21, you may have seen it, he points out that Jesus is still in the present working for us. He says, we have a great high priest over the house of God. I don't know about you, but I often think about Jesus' life. I often think about his death. I often think about his resurrection. But the book of Hebrews begins by painting a picture of where Jesus is right now. And it says he's in heaven with God, seated at his right hand. And as our priest, he talks to God on our behalf. He advocates for us. It's kind of weird to think about it, isn't it? But he's there saying to the Father, Father, there with me. Remember what I've done. When you think about approaching God, drawing near to God, do you think about what you're like or do you think about what Jesus has done for you and do you think about what Jesus is doing for you? If you look within, you will sink when it comes to drawing near to God. But if you look to Him, you will soar. So the first encouragement to the Hebrews uh, was to draw near to God. They were lacking in their faith. But the second encouragement is to hold fast to the hope that they had in the future. Have a look at verse 23. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. Christians don't just believe something about the past or the present. Christians believe something about the future. In short, we believe that one day Jesus will come back He will return and he will make the world right in every possible way. I don't know about you, but my daily experience, again, often tells me something quite different. Personal expectations are often crushed. We see and experience sickness, death, decay. We read and hear about war in the world. And perhaps you have experienced the effects of war personally. And we're often battled, uh, sorry, we're often baffled at the rise of world leaders, aren't we? But let's think about this question one more time this morning. When you think about the, ho- your, the hope you have for the future, do you think about yourself and what you're like, the potential you have, and do you think about the world around you, or do you think about what God is like? 
I was talking with a friend the other day. He's my age. He's 30. I know I, you know, look much younger and whatever. But um, he was saying he's come to the conclusion that he feels like he's about 3% in control of his own life. About 3%. I'm sure as uh, we get older and wiser, that number will get smaller still. We have very little control over most things in life. And, and most of our life tells us there's little hope for our world. And if the future of the world depended on me, or maybe with you, I think we're finished. Because even the 3% that we might have, we make mistakes with, don't we? We get it wrong. But that's just it. We're not in control of the world. But there is one who is. And the one who is isn't just in control. He is good. And he is faithful. He does what he says. God always keeps his promises. He's not flaky. And here's what you can have confidence in. If he has promised to send Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ has turned up, then surely we can trust in God for our future. Surely he will come through on the rest. So when you think about the future, do you think about what you're like and the circumstances around you, or do you think about what God is like? Hebrews 10.23 has the answer. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. The third encouragement for us this morning, the first one is draw near to God because he's done something for us in Jesus. The second one is have hope for the future because he who promised is faithful. The third one is in verse 24. Let's read together. And let us consider... Oh, you don't have to read it. That's okay, I'll do that. Sorry. I love how you do that. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, I promise, at least I'll try not to do this very often, but I want to um, refer to a better translation that I think does a better job of the original text. Um, Instead of let us consider how we can spur one another on, I think a better translation is actually let us consider one another in order to stimulate good works and love. The emphasis being on getting the order right. The emphasis being on thinking carefully about one another and then deciding what we're going to do. One precedes the other naturally, doesn't it? And don't you hate it when people get it the wrong way around and they think they know what you need? I was going to call this point the Hainsworth Principle. You might be aware that the hall next door where we run Half Past Six, our youth group, and uh, where we do playtime and other things, is called the Hainsworth Hall. Um, I was talking with Jill Chilton over lunch this week, and she shared with me about the Hainsworth Hall. And uh, I think it was named uh, named after uh, the husband of the person I want to refer to, but it doesn't matter. I, I get to make the same point. Um, I think it was Mrs. Marion, you can correct me later, Mrs. Marion Hainsworth, is that right? Um, Since with Jesus, but we'll see her in the resurrection. Um, I was told by Jill that she took an acute interest in the lives of others here at St. Stephen's. 
I was told she didn't always have the physical capacity to help out in practical ways. But each week she would come to church and she would bump into the people that she was connected with and she would ask, how are you going? How's your health? How are these family members? How's this job hunting thing going on in your life? How are the kids, etc.? And she would go away with those needs that she'd heard and she would pray for you. And then the next week she'd come back, where are we up to with dot point one, section C, section five? Like she knew about your uncle's father's brother. She looked carefully into the lives of others to consider how she might be able to help and pray for them. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? But I think it's uh, worthy of having a building named after you. (laughs) And I think it's something for us to take note of this morning. It sounds quite simple, doesn't it? Listening, learning, praying. Uh, But the, the preacher in the sermon of Hebrews actually goes even a little simpler. Have a look at verse 25. He says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I mean, turning up to church. When Naomi and I left our previous church, it was called Church Hill. It's St. Stephen's. That's where I am now, right? (laughs) St. Philip's Anglican Church on York Street in the city. We'd been there for about seven years. I'd been a pastor there for about five. And as I was leaving it, it just occurred to me, I didn't really think of it much, but I started thanking people on my last day there for just turning up, for just showing face. Because I realized that the, the most important thing, the most encouraging thing they'd done for me was just turning up each week. And that wasn't just because I was the pastor taking a headcount. That, that was because when you turn up to something, when, when you turn up, you're saying to others, this is an important place to be. This is worth doing. This is good. This is meaningful. This is valuable. This is a great place to be. Now, the last thing I want to do is guilt trip you into coming to church this year um, and coming to all of our different things. And you may not be able to do much, um, but if you can turn up, if you can pray, listen, that's extraordinary. I'm actually of the opinion that it is incredible if anyone turns up to church. Um, There are so many things vying for your attention and time on a Sunday morning, aren't there? Especially... I imagine here in Willoughby, there's family commitments, there's sport, there's the shopping, there's the to-do list for next week, the pressures that are coming up. And yet when God strengthens your heart to come down the road to St. Philip's, (laughs) I promise I haven't given this sermon before. (laughs) When, When God encourages your heart to come to St. Stephen's, that's incredible. It reminds me of a psalm, Psalm 133, says how good and pleasant it is when brothers, when, when God's people dwell together in unity. It is like the dew on Mount Hermon. <laughs> I think what it means, it's like fresh water to the soul. It replenishes, it nourishes, it quenches the needs that you have. I know that can be hard, turning up to church. Um, Unfortunately, I've chosen a particular career, haven't I? But it, it can be hard because you're wondering, what do I do? What do I say? What do I wear? Um, I'm not sure if I have anything to offer. 
But think about the question I've been asking you this morning, the question that Hebrews has for us. Has for us. When you think about coming to church, do you think about what you are like? Or do you think about what God is like? Hebrews 10.25, I'm in the right chapter, yep. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not give up meeting together, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. He's making a point about God here. He's saying, you've got to remember the gospel. You've got to remember the good news. God takes an interest in our world. Not only did he turn up, promise to turn up and turn up in Jesus, not only is Christ our advocate on our behalf right now, but Jesus is coming back. God takes an interest in our world. See, I think you can only be like Marion Hainsworth if you know that someone else has your back. It's very hard to take your eyes off yourself and look into the needs of others if you're worried about whether you'll get through this week, whether you'll make it, whether somebody's looking after you. But if you know you have a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you, enough to send his son again to restore our world and to bring you into an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken, then you can take an interest in others' lives. St. Stephen's, for your confidence in drawing near to God, for your confidence in holding unswervingly to the future hope that you have, for your confidence in loving others here at St. Stephen's, if you look within, you'll falter, you'll fail. But if you remember God's grace to us in Jesus, if you remember what he's done, if you remember that he's with us, if you remember that he's coming again, you will have all the confidence you need for 2017. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for reminding us of your love for us, that you've shown to us in your Son. This year, may we lean into him more and more and be expectant of his coming by the power of your Spirit. Amen.